Come on, service. Make some noise if you love the Lord in first service. Amen, amen, and amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad that you're here. Wonderful, wonderful. Happy Father's Day again. So glad that you are here. Let's open up our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. We got our photographers here. They did an amazing job at the Boricua Fest. Let them take pictures with you and your husband or father today, and uh, it's going to be a blessing. We'll put it on Facebook like we always do. And now, first service, I got to give you a challenge. Second service overtook you last week in attendance. They are outdoing you guys. I know some of the elders here have a competition going. I believe there's a meal on the line between you and Ricky. No bets. It's a gentleman's bet. So Ishmael, if you don't know Ishmael, raise your hand. He's one of our longstanding governing elders. Let's give it up for him. He's a great father, four children. Him and Ricardo Rivera, have, and he's in our second service, have a bet going now. And so I got to keep you uh, up to date on what's going on. So you guys got to pick it up a little bit. We got plenty of extra seats now to make room for your guests and visitors. Let's not try to recruit more Metro Praise people back into the first service. Let's get new people. Amen? Because I see a lot of the visitors going there. And to, uh, to their credit, it might be a little bit easier to come to a church service for the first time if you're a newbie at a 11 then 9 a.m. To their credit, that may be a winner, winner, chicken dinner, but I still love you the most, okay? You are still my favorite. You are still my favorite. Now, don't ask the second service what I say to them because I say the same thing to them. You know that I do. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Today, we're going to learn about being made to praise. Somebody say, made to praise. Thank you. We are almost done with our section here, verses 3 through 14. Those of you who are new, we're going through the whole book of Ephesians this year. We started around February. We're right around uh, chapter, uh, chapter 1 still, and we're in verse uh, 12 today, I believe. Is it verse 12? Yes, we're in verse 12, so we're doing well, and I hope that you're reading the book of Ephesians on your own, praying, studying, and doing all that you need to do so that when you come here, you can follow along with us, and you're not just reading it for the first time on Sunday. How many believe you should read your Bible during the week? And if you know what I'm talking about week after week, and if the notes are on our app and they're on the Facebook page and all that, you should be reading your Bible. All right, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Let me give also a message to fathers today right here from our passage. Isn't that amazing that from the Bible I can preach to you about Father's Day and not even have to arrange it to be so? Why is that? Because God our Father is all throughout the Bible. And so fathers, here is the challenge. God wants you to be a father like like him. But the problem is, is you are more like the devil in your nature because you were born a sinner. So God the Father wants you to be like him, but you're living like the lowercase g God, the devil, from the time of birth. So how do fathers get transformed to be like God the Father? There's a son, and his name is Jesus, and he died on the cross for our sins to take us out of the abusive family of the devil so that we do not perpetuate his lies and come into the family of God the Father. Now, fathers, which was once impossible for you to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, is now possible in the perfect Son of God because the Father made him, Jesus, who knew 
no sin to be sin for us so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So how many of you want to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect? I think only about three of you. Do the rest of you want to erase that from the Bible? Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Look at it with me as I give you something extra. In, in, in the French language, Cajun, they say lanyap. Somebody say lanyap. I'm always ready to give you a little lanyap. I lived down south with the Cajuns for about eight years. Here's a little lanyap. Now, you may want to erase this out of your Bible, fathers, but it's in the Bible. Be perfect. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I told you I'm going to preach it again because I don't think some of you got it. There's a problem. You can't do it on your own, can you? Because you're of the father of the devil, born into sin. But God the Father expects perfection, not only from fathers, but from all of us. This is not a suggestion. This is not a hopeful wish. This is not something you just want to see happen in heaven. This is a command of Jesus on this earth. Be perfect without sin therefore as your heavenly father is without sin can i hear an amen so how do you do that well you need the son who comes and takes your sins and then he gives you his perfection and he places on you the cloak of righteousness and clothes you with his perfection now, as a Christian, are you perfect or imperfect in Jesus? You are perfect in Jesus. Do you always act like it? No, but does that change your stance in God? Now, some of you are happy I got to that part because that gives you an excuse to sin, but you better not hear that as an excuse to sin because the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verses 9 and onward, 1 John chapter 3, verses 9 and onward, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. I might just preach a Father's Day message right now. Y'all ain't even ready for God's seed. Do you even know what that word is in the Greek? I know one of you do. The elder I already mentioned already knows what it is in the Greek. But let me just put it up here and see if you know what it is as I say it in the Greek. Sperma. Sperma. What do you think the word seed in the Greek means? Sperm. God's sperm is in you. God's sperma is in you. His seed is in you. Now that moment you think about that, you think of something perverse and sexual. But listen, sexuality is a temporary illustration of the unity and the multiplication of God. There'll be no fathers and mothers in heaven nor in the kingdom to come, only the children of God. Mothers and fathers are temporary positions to show the unity and the multiplication of God upon this earth for a season. My children will not call me father in heaven. They will not call you father or mother in heaven. We will all be sons and daughters, brothers and sons and daughters of the father, brothers and sisters with Christ. There are no providers there other than God the Father. There are no nurturers there other than God. Are you listening? So the Bible is very clear that the only way you can be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect is to get that sperm in you. To be born of the Spirit. 
You were born of the flesh through carnal sperm, physical sperm. But the Holy Spirit through the Word of God is spiritual sperm. And it bursts in you a new perfect person. So now back to the fathers. You can be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Why? Because perfect sperm is in you right now. Now my son is a perfect son of Joe Wyrostic, but he doesn't always act like Joe Wyrostic wants him to. How is my son a perfect son of Joe Wyrostic? If he went on to Maury Povich and they took my DNA and his DNA, they would say, Joe, you are the father. How many believe that? Have you ever seen my son Lucas? He looks just like me. There is no doubt you wouldn't even have to take the test. He is a perfect son. He doesn't always act that way, but his actions do not change his identity. And so in Christ, you start at the finish line. You are not trying to work your way to perfection. You start in perfection and learn to do the good works that God prepared for you before the foundation of the world. So how does a father do the perfect works of God? They do it the way God prepares you to do it. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. The created is past tense. God is not sperming you right now. He is not giving you more born again to be born again to be born again. In Christ you are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You are created, not only fathers, but hear this, men, you are created, past tense, the moment you came into Jesus, in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. You will never, every father, look up at me, please. You will never face a situation in your life where God's perfect path is not laid out before you. And if you are ever tempted, you will not ever face a temptation as a father where there is not a way of escape and where God will not answer this prayer, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. That prayer will always get answered. Your prayer for a house at the lake may not get answered. Fathers, your prayer for a four-week vacation this year may not get answered. Your prayer for your children to be potty trained by two may not be answered. But a prayer of perfection is answered the moment the sperm of God came into you and made you a new spiritual being. That prayer has been answered. And now every good work is set before you. And you can do it. You can do it because God is in you. And what if we mess up, Pastor? Well, that's when you repent because you knew better. You don't repent for things you don't know better. I don't ask my baby Joy to repent for being nine months old and pooping on herself. How many think that would be a fruitful conversation? Now you need to repent. You're pooping on yourself too much. You just poop all the time on yourself. Please repent. Stop doing that. No, but you repent for things you know better not to do. So sin is not your identity. Perfection is. And that's what the whole book of Ephesians is about. So thank you, Jesus, for a little lanyard today. So Paul said, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Do I need to preach that now? That you're blessed with every spiritual blessing? You want to argue with me with that right now too? Well, I'm not perfect and I'm not blessed. Well, I just feel sorry for you. What did you join? 
Did you join some religion? Did you join the, uh, the Masons? What did you? I'm in Christ today. I've been born again today. I've been perfected, created anew today. I am blessed in every spiritual way today. That is the truth of God's word. Now you may say, well, that takes faith, Pastor, and that's the whole reason why the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. This is what we believe. This is the audacious faith of Christians. We are not in some self-improvement, self-help religion, gradual changes over time for you to become your better self. We are here teaching the denial of self and being made a new self in Christ Jesus. Know the difference, fathers. Know the difference. You can do all that God said you can do because you're all that God said you are. Come on, I want to hear this not only from the fathers, but every man up in this place. I want every man to make a muscle, and I want you to say this with me. I am who God said I am, and I can do everything he said I can do. Now give me a whoop, whoop. Woo! Come on. Get me excited in the house of God. (laughs) I want to pimp slap the devil, amen. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Oh, man, I could preach it again. He chose us to be holy and to be blameless in his sight. I don't care what you see. I care what he sees. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship. What a good father that he is. He didn't abandon us when we abandoned him. He came for us and found us and clothed us and gave us Jesus. Adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Now this is the message today to the praise of his glorious grace. Look at how it's already being brought up here. Which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with his wisdom. Everybody say in accordance with the riches of God's grace rather. Come on, say in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Thank you that he lavished on us with all wisdom. There we go in understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will to his good pleasure, according to that good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to how many things? To all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. It's all about Jesus, my brothers and sisters. In him you were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan who works out, uh, the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Here's today's verse where we read it together on the count of three. One, two, three. In order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Somebody say, I was made to praise. That is the message for today, made to praise. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance unto the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Can I hear an amen? You were made to praise God. The verses that we've read are a part of our mini-series of In Him. Here are the 14 points we've gone through. Most of them are, uh, here are the, the, I believe, 10 points, 9 points we've already gone through, but here they are all together. You can check them out on your notes. We're on point number 10, going verse by verse, made to praise. Next week, what do you think we'll talk about? The gospel, amen. Make sure you bring somebody that doesn't know the gospel here, and we'll preach it to them, amen. And then you can see the following weeks. I want to read my introduction, which I normally don't do, but I want to do that today because there's something special in here that I want us to get out of today's message made to praise. 
Do you know what you were made for? That's a question we all have to ask ourselves, but I really want you to think about that. Do you know what you were made for? Do you know why you were on this planet, why you're not an ape, why you're not living in the zoo today, why you're not somebody's pet named Fido, why today you know yourself, why you have a soul and you're special? Why were you made? Have you ever asked yourself that? Why am I here, you know? That's the big question of life. The Bible answers it for us, and it did in this context. And when you reduce it down, yes, it's going to come down to love and God's grace and his goodness and his plan for us, all of these things. But if you notice, there were three different times just in this passage as Paul has given us the great overview of God's plan for us that the word praise was brought up, made to praise for the praise of his glory. And so I want you to think about that today, that you were made to praise God and bring him glory. And you're going to learn what glory means. But this is where I want you to hear this in the introduction. Sadly, when you replace your primary purpose with something else other than what God created you for, it leads to pain. So if you don't see that you were made to praise God and you think you were made to have a job, you're going to have pain on that job. You're going to have pain. If you think you're here just to have a family, you will have pain in your family. What you will notice is that anything you place before God will become an idol and will become a place of pain. No matter how deep my wife's love is for me, her love for me has a bottom. And I don't know if I've reached that bottom, but I think I've come really close to reaching the bottom of her patience, at least I could say. But there is an end to her love for me. She is a finite being. As much of all of us, we love our children. There is an end to our love for our children. You may say, no, I can never imagine an end. Well, let me just give you one. The day you die, you will no longer father them. You will no longer mother them. You will no longer to be there for them. They will come to a grave and talk to grass and dirt and dust. Are you listening to me? So we all have a finite time to do things. And so if you replace what God created you for with the finite plan, you're going to miss the eternal purpose of God. The eternal purpose of God transcends jobs. Before Adam and Eve had a job, they had a relationship with God. Are you listening to me? Before Adam and Eve had their first children, they had a relationship with God. Before Adam and Eve had all of the intelligence or the ability to name animals and to have dominion, they had a relationship with God. And now we have to understand why does God create man? He already created angels. Some of them had fallen, a third of them. He had already created the earth. He had created animals. But why on the sixth day, after all these animals have been created, does he create us? And we know it's love and meaningful relationship. But what does love in a meaningful relationship look like to Jesus? What was it supposed to look like in the Garden of Eden? It was meant to be praise. It was meant to be praise you got to get that in your heart today. And Metro Praise didn't just get a name because we picked out a name. It's a name given by God. As a matter of fact, it's in Jeremiah that he said he called a whole city to be a city of praise. And from that city, it would be a place of great renown and a reputation of his glory around the earth. That's speaking of the new Jerusalem to come. But until that day, we'll be that city of praise around the nations. Are you listening? But you were made to praise God. You were made to praise God. And I want to tell you, if you don't do it that way, it's going to be like you trying to use a saw to hammer in a nail. Not only will it not hammer in the nail, it will be painful to you. And I want you to hear what C.S. Lewis said, one of my favorite philosophers. He said, if we find ourselves with a desire 
that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Think about that. If you realize that all the praise and accolades of man, all of the degrees, all the education doesn't satisfy, if even your wife's love or husband's love leaves you empty, if even your children's love leaves you empty, I've heard of suicidal people killing themselves and they had wives and kids, hello, didn't uh, the, the comedian, didn't he, what was his name, the comedian, Robert Williams, didn't Robert Williams have a wife and, and kids? Well, why didn't it work for him? Wasn't that supposed to fix his life? Just get more money, get married, have wife and kids, be famous. I'm telling you, my friends, the most hurting among us can show us a lesson, can't they? They can show us a lesson. Those of you who think money will make you happy haven't had enough. Those of you who think sex will make you happy, you haven't had enough. You haven't had enough of it yet because it's not until you've gotten so much of it that it makes you puke, you understand it's not enough. My friends, the world leaves us empty. The best of it leaves us empty. I don't care how much you stare at that beautiful sunset. I don't care how much you go out to the beach. If you don't have a relationship with God, that will leave you empty. Your marriage will leave you empty. Your family will leave you empty. Your job will leave you empty. If it didn't work like that, why are there so many divorces? Do people intend to get divorced when I stand up at the altar with them and they say to death do us part? Do they intend to get divorced? Are they nothing but fools? No. They're bewitched by their own foolery, though, because they think this is what's going to hold them together and understanding it's this. God said, let what I join together, no man tear apart. You remove God from your family, you have a broken family. You, you remove God from your job, you have, you have indentured slavery, your job will be your slave master. Some of you think, well, if I could just do, if I could just do what Steve Jobs did. Have you ever read about the biography of Steve Jobs? Have you ever watched a biography on some of the most successful people? Cost them their family, cost them their children, cost them their relationships. Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs were best friends. Cost them relationships. Why? Because the job was an idol that Steve Jobs wanted everyone to bow down before. Even his wife and kids, bow down to Apple. Bow down. This comes first. Like I said, some of you think a successful job will make you happy. You haven't been successful enough. You haven't been to Silicon Valley and talked to those who take their lives with millions of dollars in their bank account. You haven't talked to those who are on their third and fourth marriage. Listen to me, my friends. We can look at this world and we can be distressed. We can look at ourselves and be depressed. Or we can look at Jesus and have our soul at rest. You were made for a purpose and you were made to praise. You better understand what Paul's doing right here. Paul starts off this verse praising God, uh, this passage. Paul was in jail at this time, but he understood his purpose. Let me give you some definitions about praising God in this passage so that I might be able to preach the last few moments that I have. Number one, it says we have a hope, and that means we're expecting something good to come to pass. And our hope, listen to me, is beyond the scope of our human limitations. It doesn't matter what I see in this earthly realm. I've got a hope beyond the scope of this earthly realm. That's why I got a reason to praise. I've got something deeper on the inside of me that's not just made out of dust and clay. I've got a precious treasure on the inside of me that gives me a hope of an in inheritance to come. And that's why we got to have a praise in our heart. 
and a praise upon our lips. And it's the expression, listen to me, of an approval or an exaltation or an admiration. When you can praise God at a funeral, that means you approve of the God of the heaven and earth. When you can praise God at a hospital bed, that means you approve of who he is. If all you are is a fair weather friend, you aren't really a fair weather friend of Jesus. He wants you to say, well done, Senor. Gracias, Senor, even on your worst days because you approve of the plan of God. Because if he brought you to it, he will bring you through it. And at the end, it will all turn for your good. And that's what praise means is I approve. I exalt you. I exalt you above my situation. I may have cancer. Come on, somebody. But I exalt you above cancer. I may have a bad trouble in my life, but I exalt you above it. And look at this. And I admire you. I admire God. That's okay if my dad admires Trump. You try to talk him out of it. But but it's all right because you admire some people he doesn't like. Come on. But I'll tell you what we can all agree upon. We admire God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. To hell with politics. We need it for a temporary cause, but I won't let politics divide my heart in this church. I won't let racism divide our heart in this church. If you approve of God, if you want to exalt him above your problems, and if you admire what he's doing in your life, give him a hand, clap of praise. And what it means to give him glory means to honor him for his achievements. Now, I know you might think the the game is already rigged in his favor, and so he may be self-serving for us to give him glory and honor for his achievements. But what you don't understand is that as true as it is that you were made in the image of God with free will, he is the source of free will, and that means he has choices. And this is where you've got to understand what grace looks like. The moment Adam and Eve sinned, it was his choice to not only damn them, but all of us at that moment. Because we were known to him at the creation of them. He never starts something that he doesn't already know the finish to. Are you listening? When he created in his mind first before he did on the earth, he knew the whole human race. And he decided there would be representative of us so that we wouldn't continue to have to be damned one at a time. Adam and Eve fail. Damn. Get the next ones up here. Damn. Fail. He made representatives. And so we know by natural causes we all come from them by the same DNA code, one race, the human race, from Adam and Eve. Are you listening? And so when they fell, we fell in them, and the knowledge of us was already in the knowledge of God. And so you could have come to yourself as you did probably at three or four years old, your first memory of conscious being. You could have come to yourself in punishment and hellfire, and he would have been just. He would have owed you no explanation. You would have been created for damnation. Now, you may say, I I don't know. I don't know. That's true. Why did he have to save you? Tell me. Well, he created us. Have you ever created something and broke it? He could have broke you in pieces. He could have cast you aside. The Bible says, what is man that you are mindful of him? 
we give him glory for the achievement of making a decision to save us so that we can know him. He didn't have to create us, but he did. Glory to God for us being created. He didn't have to save us when we fell. Glory to God that he saved us. And he didn't have to give us multiple chances to be saved. Anybody ever hear about the devil? How many chances did he get? How many of the fallen angels get another chance? Glory to God for second and third chances for rebellious sinners. Glory to God that I was not judged on my first rejection. Come on, somebody. We look at the Bible, we see that Paul starts off praising God in Ephesians 1, 3. The passage that we just read, he goes through into verse 6, praise him for his glorious grace. Praise him that we're blessed in the heavenly realms, verse 12. Praise him that he put us out as first fruit. He has set out the early church to be the first fruit. Now we are coming afterwards as multiple harvests are being done across the earth. God is harvesting the sinners and the saints. Ephesians 1.14 ends that we are to the praise of his glory. God is doing this for his own glory, for his reputation. The passage we haven't read now is Ephesians 3.20. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout how many generations? Throughout all generations. Forever. How long? Ever and ever. Amen. God is deserving of the glory today. He's deserving of the praise. He deserves what we give him today and so much more. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't get drunk on wine. If you drink, drink in moderation. Can I hear an amen, fathers? Don't get drunk in front of your children today as you're celebrating Father's Day. What a stupid thing to do. Amen? Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be what? Filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the heart. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always. Somebody say always. Come on, in traffic, somebody say always. When your boss doesn't like you, somebody say always. When you don't like your employees, somebody say always. When you're getting along with your family, somebody say always. When you wish you were a bachelor again, somebody say always. Always, come on, always giving thanks to God the Father for just the good things in your life. Is that what it says? Just give him thanks for the good things. Don't you, don't you thank him for the bad things you go through? Because there's no plan for that. You're just on your own at that time, and God's just trying to piece your life together. No, no, give him thanks for everything. Everything. We don't say the thing itself is good. I don't say the... The death, the sickness, the sin is good, but I thank God for everything he has purposed for my life because it could have been left at judgment day one in the Garden of Eden. And so if he's allowed evil to persist as he's allowed us to grow from generation to generation, then I can tell you and guarantee you one thing, he will turn evil for his good. He will turn our past for his good. He will turn bad decisions for his good. And that's another encouragement for fathers today. I mean, how many of us have made bad decisions? I had one time, the, the, the first time, I was watching Bethany, my oldest, and Nancy left me in charge of her, and that was a scary moment for all of us, let's just be honest. 
and I have Bethany, and I am just so scared something's going to go wrong, and so I'm meticulously taking care of her, moving her around, putting her in a safe place, and so she can't even move, you know, she's all bundled up, and so I thought to myself, the safest place is to put her in the, on the couch right next to me, and I go off and get something to drink. Thank God she couldn't roll by that time. I was smart enough to not do that, but we did just have one of our children roll off a couch the other day. Joy did. That's another discussion. That was Nancy's fault. Anyways, I'll keep going. I'll keep going. But anyways, so the baby is there. The baby is safe. I'm going on with my day. But I forgot that she was on the couch. I go back to the couch, lean down, put up my feet, lay right down, poof, drop, kicked her right in the head. Drop, kicked a month-old baby right in the head. Praise God that as slow motion, as the heel was coming on her head, I felt it and I stopped it right about there, but it left a good enough of a red mark to scare me half to death. Her crying was torture to my soul because daddy messed up. How many, have pa- how many parents have messed up before? But how many know God's going to use all things for his good? He's going to help us. He's going to teach us. He shows us the right path. And so I learned from that mistake. Amen. I want to end with four ways we bring glory and praise to God. Are you ready for it? Somebody say preach it. Number one, we accept God's grace. That's how you give God the greatest praise and glory right now is you accept his grace. Stop being rebellious. Say, yes, Lord, I want to live for you. The second thing is you live for God's hope. You don't walk around hopeless. Every time you declare today's a good day with Jesus, you're bringing praise to the Lord. Every time you say God bless you or I'll pray for you and you don't turn to hopelessness, you're giving God praise. Why? Because you believe there is hope to come. Every prayer you've ever prayed for somebody to get healed will be answered on the day he comes back. How many believe that? Even if we didn't see it on this earth, it will happen in the world to come. How do we give God praise? We praise him for belief. We, we praise him by believing for great things. Did you know that simply asking God in faith for great things gives him praise? It gives him praise. Just think about that because I'm going to get to the last one, number four, which is singing and making music, and that's how we're going to end today. But there's three ways that have nothing to do with music. Number one, accepting God's grace. And that's not only as a new believer. That's every time you ever sin. Don't let condemnation come on you. Don't make uh, don't allow the devil to make you feel like you're not good enough. Accept God's grace. Say, man, I'm forgiven. Jesus loves me. This is over. I can move on. Live in God's hope. Believe God for great things, but how many love to sing? Can I hear an amen? Now, some of you aren't saying amen, and that's because you don't like to sing. You're embarrassed to sing, but I'm going to teach you about singing right now. Are you ready? you got to learn to sing and make music from your heart. It's a command from God to praise him. I did some research on this, and here are the benefits of singing. Wouldn't it just be God to build in benefits to his commands? Come on, somebody. Y'all just let that go right over your head. I said, wouldn't that just be like God to build in benefits to his commands? Bible says don't drink too much wine. How many know getting drunk doesn't have a benefit? Isn't that just something you want to stay healthy? Don't be a drunkard. Bible says men be married to your wives the rest of your life. How many know that they've done studies on married men and married couples and they live longer than the single people? Can I hear an amen? Built-in benefits. Do you know that there's built-in benefits to coming to church right now? Those who go to church live longer lives. Did you know that? Have happier families, even better sex lives. Somebody asked them that. And I could have said amen to that as well. Sex before knowing Jesus, sex after knowing Jesus and going to church. Which one's better? Right here, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Going to church made it better for me. Come on, somebody. But isn't this something? Right here, there are benefits to keeping the commands of God to sing. That's why all of us got to do it. 
Let's go to the physical benefits. Singing strengthens your immune system. Did you know that? Singing strengthens your immune system. Singing is a workout because as I'm preaching with fervency, even sweating, if you wanted to sing for five to ten minutes, you would be in a place of uh, using your body to, to stretch your muscles, and you may start to sweat as well. You know if you've been in a choir that singing is exercise. Singing improves your posture. How many know that to sing well, you've got to stand well? Singing helps with sleep. Did you ever know that what we do for children will work for you? We'll work for you. Why don't you sing yourself to sleep one day and see how that goes? I'm so serious. I'm tired of everybody complaining about insomnia. Do some of the Bible things. Get out of Facebook and put your face into his, his book. Read the Bible and calm your spirit and sing a few songs and see if the Lord will put you to sleep. Has mental and emotional benefits. Now, some of you may not believe this, but I got the source right here. The studies that were done, just, just so you could see it quickly in closing so you don't think that I'm just making it up, here, are the, here is the uh, article, and here are the studies. Just to give you an example so you don't think, well, this pastor just made it up. This pastor made it up right here. According to research conducted at the University of Frankfurt, you want to argue with them? You want to argue with them? Singing is a workout. They use this in physical therapy. Hello, somebody. Singing improves your posture. That's pretty obvious. How about this right here? Singing helps with your sleep. The experts believe singing can strengthen your throat and palate muscles, which stops soaring and sleep apnea. Please don't talk to me like I'm dumb or the Bible doesn't know what it's talking about. Amen? The Bible knows what it's talking about. Now, I know it's still Father's Day and some fathers may be struggling with wanting to sing. But listen to me, fathers. What do you think they do before they went to battle? They would sing. See, some of you fathers act like you don't sing. I'll, I'll get you singing right now. Take me out to the ball. Yeah, you know you sing that, Father. Come on. I don't sing. I'm a man. Yes, you sing that right now like a child. Venus and Cracker Jacks. Oh, you sing. Oh, you sing, fathers. I know. Everybody sings. Singing is a natural antidepressant. Singing lowers stress. Singing improves mental alertness. Singing broaders, broadens communication skills. Singing blesses your heavenly Father. Singing blesses the Father who made you in his image. I want you and I to be people of praise. I want us to know why we were created. Amen. Would you stand up and give God a hand clap of praise with me? Come on, band, would you come? Let's do it. Amen. Let's give God the best right now. Amen. So we're going to practice what we preached. We're going to practice what we preached. Come on, somebody say this. I was made to praise the God of my salvation all my days. One more time. I was made to praise the God of my salvation all my days. Okay, let's warm up right now. Uh, can you give me a little... Uh, Y'all ain't going to do all the singing today. As a matter of fact, Chris, come stand over there because you're going to help them sing, and Rachel, stand right there. Thank you. We're going to teach you to sing if you don't know how to sing, but I know you do. How many know how to sing? I didn't say sing well. I just said, do you know how to sing? Right? Okay, face them, please. You stand there and face them. Rachel, stand here and face yes. them. Okay? We're going to just see which, which group can get louder, okay? I want you to lead them in amazing grace. Give me a key for amazing grace, please. 
put the words up there. I think most of you know it. Come on this side. I want to hear you. Put up the words too. I once was lost. No music, no music. Thank you. Come on, but now. I once was blind. But now I see. Amen. Amen. Give God a hand clap this side of the room. Come on. Can you go louder than that? Come on. Oh, they killed it. Oh, they killed it. I'm on this side now. Woo! Come on. That saved a wretch. Woo! Yes, Lord. Once was lost. <laughs> yes. I was blind. Do you guys want another chance? You guys want one more chance? Because they smoked you. Come on, get them going, Chris. That's better. Come on. Let's all sing it. Sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now. Amen. Come on over here, Vinny. Come stand next to me, Vinny. Now sing praise God. Praise. Put that the guitar down. Come on. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Let's sing it out together. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. One more time. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise Come on, somebody praise God in the house of God. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, keep that. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. Can't no do me like the Lord. Do me like the Lord. Can't nobody do me like Jesus. He's now keep them hands clapping. Just this side. How loud can you get? Can't come on this side. Help him out, Adam. All right, come on this side. Can't nobody. Can't nobody. Come on, keep them hands clapping. Everybody say, can't nobody. Do me like Jesus. Can't nobody. 
Do me like the Lord, it can't nobody. Do me like Jesus, he's my friend. Give it up for Jesus. Thank you, band. Thank you. Come on back there. Altar workers, would you come, please? You may come back up, band. Thank you. Thank you. I double-dog dare you to sing like that with your kids. I double-dog dare you fathers to do family devotions and teach them the simple songs of the Lord. Couples to sing together, to worship from your heart, to go back to some of those old songs that are so easy to memorize because they're very poetic. To sing a song in your heart on days that you don't feel right. Don't let your emotions dictate your day. We all wake up in a funk sometime. But I double-dog dare you that day you wake up in the funk to just start clapping your hands in your room by yourself and say, can't nobody. Tears may be coming down your eyes. Do me like Jesus can't. Come on. I double-dog dare you the day that you get your heart broken, somebody hurts you, you lose your job, husbands or fathers or mothers, providers. You know, you lose your job. You feel like the world's on your shoulders. I just dare you to look up to heaven, throw up your hands, and sing a praise from your heart, something that gives God glory and talks about who he is. You're a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. And I am loved by you. Come on, you get a song from your heart. Maybe that day you've sinned and you feel so guilty. You know you're guilty. I mean, the devil's telling you you're guilty. All your friends telling you you're guilty. And you come to God and you pray repentance, but you don't feel in your conscience that you're forgiven, even though you are, but you have that residue of condemnation. Just stay in the key of D for me. You just, you just need to be able to say, you know, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You know, you just need to be able to sing it to yourself. For some of you, you want to go to war? Just stop the music for a second. Could you just imagine this? We're about ready to go to war. I don't care what picture, uh, what mindset of the war you want to have. We could be with swords. We could be in the helicopter. <laughs> coming over Baghdad, come on, about ready to go down the zip lines. Just imagine if dudes just began to sing this. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. I'm getting high. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy. Light it up. Dude, you guys need to watch. You need to save him Private Ryan with that dude in the sniper thing. The Lord is my shepherd. I Taking headshots. Are you listening? This, oh, come on. Y'all got just pansy on me right there. What was the song? Who wrote the Psalms? Martha Stewart? Who wrote the Psalms? What was David? Was David a chef? No, nothing against chefs. Was David a housekeeper? Come on, what was he? Was he daddy daycare? He was a warrior. You could just hear. 
as he's slinging that slingshot. You know what I'm saying? Praise God from, or this one right here. Imagine once again we're, we're, we're in jail for persecution's sake. We're, we're not in jail for, you know, stealing something. We're in jail because they persecuted us. And the Bible says they started praising God and the prison doors got open. What kind of praise do you think they were praising? I bet you they were praising something like this. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art, thou my best thought, by day or by night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence, my light. How many could take another beating after that for Jesus? Come on, how many would be able to stand your ground and not deny your faith in an ISIS prison cell before they burned you alive? How many would sing a song like that? Some of y'all too addicted to the worship up here. How do you think they worship with Jesus? The Bible says they worship with Jesus at the Last Supper. Jesus didn't say, Peter, you grab the guitar, John, you get on the keys. Men sing songs from their heart with the Savior. And I double-dog dare you. Nobody looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, man, you off tune. You're lame. I don't like singing with you here. I guarantee you they were, they were feeling the presence of God. Amen. Lord, as we prepare to dismiss and send forth our fathers and their families to enjoy this day, may we remember that we were made to praise you all of our days. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Will you give it up for the Lord one more time? Praise him for his glory. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you at Life Groups. <laughs> yes, man, you may play now. Thank you. I'm sorry. I'm done singing my songs. As you go, greet somebody. Tell them you love them. The photography and photos will be in the lobby. We have prayer workers up here if you need prayer for anything. Thank you for coming today. Have a great day. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God bless you as you go. If you need prayer, come on up. We love you. Kingdom come. If families need prayer, we love to pray for families. On earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Come and say, Your 